for Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, Georgia continues to fall behind other states in the effort to roll out COVID-19 vaccines. One of the things that we know is that this virus is an opportunist. It will go where vaccination rates are low, and we don't want to see that. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, head of Atlanta's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, joins me to discuss how the vaccine rollout is going here and around the country. We'll also check in with Georgia's top public health official. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. The head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says the next phase of the COVID-19 vaccine rollout will be more difficult. Dr. Rochelle Walensky says that's because the effort will need to be more targeted to overcome barriers like vaccine hesitancy. We spoke last Thursday at the Whitfield County Health Department in Dalton, Georgia. Earlier in the day, Dr. Walensky had met with local community leaders to discuss the vaccine rollout. Our conversation started with her reflecting on why vaccination rates in the South trail those of the rest of the country. There's hesitancy in this area. Um, not everybody has seen disease. Not everybody has been impacted by the disease. Um, not every, and, and some of it has been politicized. So um, I, I wouldn't say there's anything particularly going wrong. I think what we need to do is get to do the hard work of getting to the people and understanding why they're hesitant. Um, you know, some of the, the messages that I heard today were really, we need to make it easy and available to them. We need to, somebody said, we need to get in their way. We need to show up at their workplace and just say, would you like a vaccine? Some people said, like, they don't necessarily want to get a vaccine and get a, have it advertised. That because of the politicization, they're willing to get it, but they just don't want anybody to know about it. You know, if there was a, if there was a line at Walmart, they're not doing it. But if they come to my work and I can say, oh, work made me do it, they're fine to get it. So we, we need to find those extra ways that people might be willing. Um, lots of mis- and disinformation out there that um, people are following and they believe and understand. But, you know, I heard 70% of the teachers in the Dalton City were vaccinated, and so they did it in the schools. They brought it to the people that got in their way. Um, I heard from the Latino community that the parents are really looking to the kids for information. So let's get that information to the kids. And, you know, we've had state public health officials say that they were surprised by the amount of hesitancy, especially in rural white populations. Should that have been a surprise, that kind of hesitancy? You, you talk about misinformation. That's something they also cited as pretty prevalent in those communities. 
Um, you know, I think that some of the rural communities might have been less uh, impacted by disease. They might have been less likely to mask to begin with, um, less likely to, to follow the case rates. We just had an MMWR at CDC out last week that demonstrated that vaccine rates in rural communities were lower. I think we knew that there were going to be harder to reach populations. I think we knew rural populations were going to be harder to reach, and now we have to do the hard work. I, you know, I one of the things I said is we are no longer in the time where people are lining up out the door to wait for their vaccines. And so every vaccine in every arm is a win. And so, you know, 30 at a time, 10 at a time, those are wins. But those are hard efforts. And we knew we'd be here. And so if, if we reach this level of, you know, the president's goal, 70% of the population with one shot by July 4th, what happens if places like Georgia are still very low? We've, I think we've got 37% as of now with one shot. What does that mean for the pandemic in, in states where vaccine coverage is lower? So one of the things that we know is that this virus is an opportunist. It will go where vaccination rates are low. And that's really, we don't want to see that. So that's right. Right now, we're doing the hard work to say, like, let's not have that happen. We know that vaccination rates vary across this country. But what I really want to make sure of is that they get up to a place in every corner in every county to make sure that that doesn't happen. I mean, and how do you reset people's expectations when the country at one point was doing three million shots a day? It seems like that pace is inevitably going to slow over time. How do you have the general public not think this is something that we're failing at just because we're going slower? Yeah, I think we had all the people who did the rush who sort of wanted to get the vaccine early on and now the grassroots efforts, but we're still at one and a half to two million vaccines a day, vaccinations a day, which I think is still an extraordinary pace, especially since now we are doing the hard work of getting it 30 people at a time. We're not getting, you know, 5,000 people a day in a mass vaccination site. So I think it's going to take these grassroots efforts to make that happen. And I've been so inspired by hearing from the Dalton Fire Department and the superintendent of schools and, and the incredible work they're doing to make that happen so that we can do one and a half million a day. Are you worried about places where there, say, is a little bit more hesitancy about vaccination that the new guidance on masks is actually, instead of incentivizing people, is going to de-incentivize because now they can say go into, I was at a Starbucks earlier today, it says no masks required if you're vaccinated, but no one was asking. And so for people who were maybe never going to get it in the first place, now their incentive has instead of been put in front of them, maybe it's been taken away. Do you worry about that? Um, so I have to deliver the science based on what is, and, and not necessarily based on an incentive one way or another. But what I will say is I'm asking people to be honest with themselves because ultimately it's themselves and their families that they're putting at risk. If you're vaccinated, you can take off your mask. It's safe. If you're not, um, you're really playing a roulette game here and either get vaccinated or continue to wear a mask. I mean, is, is that going to work for people who don't think COVID is real? Yeah, what, you know, one of the things that I think we were facing is with case rates coming down so much, people were putting forward policy on what they should do about masks regardless. So we wanted to make sure that that was informed policy, informed based on the science. Um, and again, this is going to be the grassroots of reaching people one at a time. And so just, I've had people ask me a million times what the pandemic looks like. How does it end? Like, what kind of conversations are you having around the dinner table with your kind of social connections about what things look like in kind of this next phase, the rest of the year, even further after that? 
Um, I am cautiously optimistic about what the next several months have in store. Um, and I would like to say the next several years have in store. I think it is way too early to declare victory here. Um, we have been sent a, a bunch of curveballs over the last 15 months. And so I really am, am remaining vigilant um, and I'm really, really hopeful. And part of that hope is the hope in the American people to get vaccinated. What do you, what do you think the biggest curveball is gonna be that we could see coming down the pike? To, um, to really mix uh, yeah. There are two, um, and I don't think there'll be a surprise. The first is whether and how the American people step up to get vaccinated and how high we can get the vaccination rates here. And two is uh, emerging variants. I actually just heard an NPR report today of a new coronavirus discovered in Borneo. Excellent. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, we're watching all across the globe, right? Sure. We, we have to watch our back the entire time. But I, I mean, but that's just, I've had so many conversations with public health experts who say this isn't a question of if, it's a question of when and how bad for the next one. That, you know, humans are moving into undeveloped areas and getting closer and closer into contact with wildlife, and that's where these diseases come from. That's where these viruses come from. So this just maybe is going to be part of our reality. And what I would say in that context is that is true for coronaviruses, it's true for influenza. And um, one of the things I've been really advocating for in that context is to make sure that we have a robust public health infrastructure for the next one because we were left pretty frail this time um, and just because we had a coronavirus pandemic in 2019 doesn't mean we're not going to have another one down the pike soon so our job is to make sure that we are really well prepared should that happen. Do you think that the country is like prepared mentally to think about that after, after the kind of trauma that we've had over, over a year and a half? You know, I don't think the country has to think about it. I think um, the the administration has to think about it. I think we in public health have to think about how we're going to re, re-up our public health workforce in terms of how we're going to skill up, how we're going to establish a more robust public health workforce. In the last decade, we've lost over 50,000 jobs in public health. We need to re, um, re-establish those jobs. We need to skill differently. Genomic sequencing requires informatics and data anal- analytics and genomic epidemiology that we've never had in, in local, local public health departments, for example. And, and so just because, you know, you, you, you came into this post in the middle of a pandemic, like... Um, oh, my God. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> so I think, I think the basic question is, why? Um, but no, but like, how is, you know, what has this been like for you to kind of be in this very high-profile position, stepping into this very high-profile position yeah. at, this, at this time? I mean, it's been an honor. It has been a privilege. Um, I came from a place where there were extraordinary people doing extraordinary work and serving patients. And I arrived at a place where there are extraordinary people doing extraordinary work serving the public. So my job is to make sure that they know that I will represent them and the science for, for the best health of the public. Dr. Rochelle Walensky is head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead, today bringing you two recent one-on-one conversations with public health leaders. The head of Georgia's Department of Public Health, Dr. Kathleen Toomey, was also in Dalton last Thursday and spoke with me about the vaccine rollout and what comes next in the pandemic. Our conversation started with her reflecting on lower rates of vaccination across the South. The commissioners of the southern states talk frequently, often uh, once or twice a week. And that's because we're all experiencing a lot of the same challenges. Mm -hmm. We're unique in Georgia because we have such a large city with Atlanta. 
in many, many rural areas and agricultural areas and uh, a, a lot of hesitancy. And we have worked on the hesitancy in communities of color very, very aggressively and have really been able to turn around uh, a lot of that, uh, those uh, concerns in many of the communities and our, our equity numbers are looking very, very good. Mm -hmm. um, but we do see that, particularly in rural areas, that there's still high rates of unvaccinated people. And we are hoping that some of these being out like we're out now and, and going out and talking to people and just in small events in communities will help us turn the corner. I keep saying as I've traveled around the state over the last month or two, is that we're going to win this battle, but it's not going to be in big mass vaccination sites that will just vaccinate everybody. It's going to be these little events of 50, mm -hmm. 100, even smaller. Uh, and I think we'll see, we'll get there. It just may take us a little bit longer. And I, I think that we have, have a really good team throughout the state working up, plus the partnership with CORE and the Latin American Association. Mm -hmm as well as our Equity Council, who's been instrumental in helping us get access to events that we wouldn't have been able to vaccinate. Plus, I have to do a shout out uh, to our, our, our sports teams, who mm -hmm. have not only done uh, promotional videos for the vaccine, but have allowed us to vaccinate at, at sporting events. So it's been really great. Well, so something that you said not too long ago that kind of stuck with me, I think it was at the GMA event you did, you said that you were surprised by the amount of kind of hesitancy in white rural communities. And um, that was kind of surprising to hear your surprise. So was, I mean, should, should, could the state have done more to kind of anticipate that that was going to be a challenge? I, I'm not sure any of us anticipated that any of the health officers in the other states either. And that, that hesitancy is not only among uh, you know, people in the community, it's among our own public health staff and hospital staff and nursing home staff. And so it's people in healthcare. And perhaps I was just, um, it, I didn't see it because I personally was so happy to get vaccinated. And you may remember uh, the day I got vaccinated, I was almost, uh, jumping for joy, mm -hmm. literally, um, because it was such a relief to realize that there was an end in sight. And I think not everybody has the same confidence, not in the science that developed the vaccine, but also a lot of questions we're hearing, even on this trip, about possible impact on pregnancy. And, and so we need to do a much better job of ensuring we get those messages out. Well, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, if, if, if we are moving away from this kind of getting millions of people done across the country each day and kind of going more to one-on-one, -on -one, like, what does that path look like? Because I think that there's, you know, a certain amount of attention on trying to bring this to an end soon, but it seems like maybe it's going to take a lot longer than people. Well, I, I think we in public health are going to, this is going to be part of our routine work for a long, long time. So we're going to be continuing, even as, you know, businesses open and other things may happen here and elsewhere, we are going to continue to reach out and, and try to reach those 
people who may have been a little hesitant or resistant or uncertain early on, and it will continue to do that. I mean, and there's, there's been a lot of attention on kind of this idea of like a herd immunity threshold, and I think that, you know, I've heard Dr. Tony Fauci say again and again, focusing on a number maybe isn't so effective. Maybe we just need to think about getting as many people vaccinated as possible. Do you agree with that assessment? Because I think a lot of people look around the country, and like you said, they, they see the South, they see lower rates of vaccination here, and they see that as a sign that maybe things could be going going better. Well, we're also seeing our numbers, uh, at least in terms of new cases going down and hospitalizations going down and deaths going down. And I think the more we can vaccinate, the more we can ensure that that continues to be the trend. And I think to, to me as a, a public health official, that is my most important priority to you know work with communities all throughout the state and uh, identify what some of the barriers are both to access but also to to uh, concerns about the vaccine and try to turn that around and just a, a, that continued small push we're going to win this battle but it's going to take little small pushes to do so i mean and, and do you have any how do you know in conversations you have around the dinner table or with friends and family what do you tell them about how this ends and kind of how we'll know when we get there because i think that's a question on a lot of people's minds I suspect, now first of all, let me just say that, you know, we live in a, uh, a global environment and we won't be able to say the pandemic has ended until other countries have been able to stop the spread and with India and, and Asia and Africa still um, having problems or largely unvaccinated, you know, we, we know that we still have to continue to uh, be vigilant. But also, I, I think we have to embrace ourselves for a time when this becomes part of what we do in public health, just like flu shots every year, that this may become endemic in the way that influenza is, and, and that it's, it's routine and we are more comfortable with the vaccines at that point. And, and so I think all of this, uh, to me, uh, is, is, is the public health is critically important to the health of our nation to continue to keep it strong, to have a strong workforce, a strong epidemiology team that can monitor and track this over time, and, and people who can, health educators and outreach workers who can work in the community, because that to me is what will really make the difference now. And is, is that the kind of thing that this $7 billion funding announcement from the Biden administration to bulk up public health could do? To And, and, and what could that mean for Georgia, that, that money announcement? Oh, I think when we were, Dr. Walensky and I were talking about this, because it's really important, too, that it be sustainable, not just... Uh, you know, a one year or two year, because I think this we're in this for the long haul. I hope it will strengthen our epidemiologic capacity throughout the state. Hope it will allow us to continue to outreach workers and vaccine navigators uh, to help with the continue not only with COVID vaccine, but things like flu shots, uh, childhood immunizations, all those things that are so important to the health of the state. And um, to me, um, there's this tremendous opportunity that COVID has given us to strengthen the infrastructure of public health so that we can meet whatever challenge we face, whether it's an infectious disease or, or the, the outbreaks and, and uh, the incredible epidemic of chronic health conditions that we have here in the state. 
Um, so I think we can use this opportunity with the new staffing, with the new investments in public health, both from the state as well as the federal levels to make that happen. Dr. Kathleen Toomey leads the Georgia Department of Public Health. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.